Hi, Ron here and welcome. We love that you've come to join us here and listen to a lot of our episodes. Please help us continue with this by supporting us through either joining the Barack Center at thebarackcenter.com or joining us at the Fringe Church at thefringechurch.com and sharing and donating through those sources. And once again, thank you for joining us today. Well, good morning. We're going to read from Revelations chapter 2, the first of the letters to the churches in a moment. But before we do that, let's just set up these letters. They all follow exactly the same form. Jesus says, write. Hang on, let me move that. Jesus says, write. He identifies himself by some part of the initial vision. Uh, then he addresses the angel of the church. That's the church as it stands before God. Um, he describes the church's situation and condition. He gives praise, reviews their failures, or both, as may be necessary. The readers are warned to listen and take heed, and a promise is given that the church will share in his own victory. So they're all exactly the same in form, which is sort of cool, makes it easy. Now, the organisation of the church, by this stage, um, yeah, there's some really interesting things have happened. We're getting towards the point of an emerging real organisation. Um, John is a translocal leader. His responsibility is for churches. He can't be all the time. There are elders in each church. There's a structure. Um, but yeah, there, there's this guy. I mean, it's not improper at all to call him the bishop of this region. Now, they're local churches, and we're going to see from the correspondence, the Lord treats each community in its own right and on its own merits. But equally, when there are thorny issues or some help needed, there's also a wider regional network that matters. And, and obviously the Lord sanctions it. He's talking to the bishop. So um, each church stands before God on its own, but it also has the advantage of something bigger and, and more networked. Um, yeah, and so the whole thing is it's just emerging. It's, it's, you know, it's just evolving. They're doing whatever works to serve the gospel. Now, I'm going to, as we go through these things, um, anybody who's got any serious Bible background is going to be appalled at how little I'm going to say about each church. We'll just pick out one or two devotional thoughts from each one, and, um, and that will be it. Okay, so Revelation chapter 2, 1 to 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works. I mean your toil and your steadfast endurance. And I knew, I know that you can't bear evil men, that you've put to the test those who call themselves apostles and who are not, and you've proved them liars. I know that you possess steadfast endurance. I know all that you were born for my name's sake, and I know you've not been worn out by your efforts. All the same, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Remember then whence you have fallen and repent and make your contact such as it was at first. If you do not, I'm coming to you and I will remove your lampstand from its place if you don't repent. But you do possess this virtue, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I too hate. Let him who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I will give to him who overcomes to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. 
Now, Ephesus, what a city. I mean, a big regional town, major harbour. Sort of cool, really, isn't it? Remember all the stuff we talked about in Acts. You know, it, we're, we're forward a couple of decades, but it's still something. And the city appears powerful, um, wealthy, amazing. But the Lord is saying there is something deeper and even more amazing in my kingdom than this city. Don't be too impressed by the apparent commercial success. Don't be seduced by the political power. You are called to walk in the spirit and your great love needs to be for me and my kingdom. Now, the comment about first love is sort of tantalizing and fascinating. I know a lot of people who beat themselves up over this. Oh, I'm not as passionate as I used to be. I'm not, I, it's just not as zingy as it once was. You know, now look, I don't know how the rest of you are going. I've been married now for some time. And I remember what it was like to be engaged to Sal. Woohoo! We are talking Hormone City. It was awesome. Stuff up and down your spine. Can't wait, can't sleep. You know, talk for three hours on the phone. Yeah, it's not like that anymore. Now, I've got to say, it's still the great passion of my life, but it expresses itself incredibly different now to what it did back then. Um, it's just first, absolutely the first thing. It's different from what it was. And there are people who think, you know, if I was really walking with the Lord, it would feel the way it felt at first. That's not what this is saying. This is saying first priority. They're saying, yes, go back to where you were, back to where you were, first priority. So please don't try to redo something that happened decades ago. You can't. The only moment that you can give God is right now. So just enjoy that. Give it to God and ensure that the Lord is number one priority in your heart. Now, that might be a dogged following of faithfulness in a hard time. That might be moments of incredible worship and joy. Might be miracle times, might be desert times. But number one, I'm serving Jesus. That's what this calls us to. So don't get beaten up by this. Do a genuine assessment. What's the priority of my heart? Am I first, last, and always for Jesus? Or is there something else actually taking first spot? Because no matter what it is, if it has, it's an idol. Deal with it. Because the risk is your lampstand can be removed. Jesus, in this passage, is saying to this church, you can be unsaved. You can lose it. You can... You can come from a place of favor and grace with God out. Your lampstand can go. So watch it. Um, one of my great heroes described the doctrine of once saved, always saved as a doctrine of devils. Now, I know there's a huge debate about that in the church, but the bottom line is this. Be careful. The Bible says you can make shipwreck of your salvation. We are called to be worshipers of God. Absolute priority, total commitment, deepest passion, whatever that looks like. So what matters is the steady, patient, deep places of our hearts where God holds sway. Um, that's enough. Let's pray. Father, first love. God, we come back to you and just to do a little bit of an inventory, Lord, in terms of where our money runs, in terms of where our time runs, in terms of where our imagination goes, in terms of our emotional energy, our relationships. Help us to understand, Lord, if something else has come in in front of you. It's real easy to do, Lord. It happened in Ephesus. It can happen to us. So, Lord, give us grace to assess ourselves rightly against this letter. Lord, if 
Father, thank you for the praise that was given to these people. So much to the good, just so much to the good. And Lord, we look in our own lives. Thank you, Lord, for what you have made of us. Thank you for the character you've built, all the excellent things that we've become. But Lord, we do just want to keep it in balance and keep it right. So help us with this, Lord. And today, perhaps give us a reflective day to really think through. Has anything usurped Christ? Is it a case of, I will serve Jesus as long as this other goal is achieved or this other thing is maintained. Help us to become a little more self-forgetful, a little more Jesus people. This we ask in his name. Amen. Bless you folks. We'll see you on Monday morning. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode. And please, don't forget to sign up to the thebarackcenter.com or thefringechurch.com and help support us so we can reach many more. Thank you again for joining us today.